What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the DeQuisto Series podcast. It's Wednesday, mid-March, and today we're going to talk sheds. Shed hunting, shed tactics, why we look for them, all sorts of things. There you have it. That is the really getting jacked up. On the shed topic, how bizarre is the concept of a shed antler? It's pretty wild, ain't it? You got an animal who yearly grows these antlers from its skull to battle and fight with other animals to breed and reproduce. And at a certain time of year, they fall off and they're just left laying on the ground. And then a few short months later, he starts to regrow these antlers from his skull to do the same thing again. And it's a cycle. And it's just truly crazy when you think about it. So many little details about a rack that you can find out by picking it up. Points it might sprout the next year. Characteristics that might indicate its age. And all these things can be really beneficial on a different standpoint than just trying to use that piece of information to kill next year. So, you know, you can tell age of a deer, genetics of a deer. You can get the exact score. Um, There's a lot of different things. Today, we are launching a shed contest through the Lone Wolf Custom Gear Instagram page. Simply post a picture of your shed. Use the hashtag LWCG Shed Contest 2022 and tag three of your buddies. Now, you can do this once a day for as many days as you want. It's got to be a different picture. You can't post the same picture, but we're going to let this run for one month. So on April 16th, we're going to announce the winners and we're going to pick three and it doesn't have to be the biggest shed. Post your findings and join in on the contest. We're going to give away some good stuff. You per se, I mean, back in the day, you didn't do much shed hunting, did you? No. Like, like really never, right? No, but where I was basically where I was hunting, um, the deer had winter yards that were five, 10 miles away. So they really didn't winter. Um, there was no reason really to be looking around for sheds at that time of year. It was like four feet of snow and pretty nasty up in Northern Wisconsin. And um, in the swamps, like those sheds would disappear most of the time. I mean, you didn't, you didn't do too much looking in the They swamp. were somewhere else. They, were, they weren't on the pieces that I was hunting basically. Yeah. And so I know as a kid, um, and I, I would take, you know, so Probably when you started hunting a lot more farm country, right, is when you started kind yeah. of taking note to the because they were more accessible and. I still really wasn't into that shed hunting for a long time. I just, I don't know, didn't see the a value of it actually. I know guys that are into shed hunting more than they're into hunting, which is crazy. Um, I got bit by the bug really hard for a while and. I would walk as much as I possibly could. Any ground I could find, uh, random pieces of ground I could get permission from, farms I hunted. I even, you know, got a chocolate lab with the sole purpose of training them to find oh, yeah. uh, shed antlers. So, like, I was I was big into it. I'm, I'm a little out of it or a little bit more out of it now than I was back then. But I don't know, man. It just, it, it was, it was more about, to me, it was less about what it, not that it helped me deer hunt. It was just something cool to do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and then you, you got these, these, you know, cool antlers, you decorations and, and it does give you some, I mean, it gives you some, some Intel. Um, oh, well, we could talk about it a little bit it was something we noticed when we were, um, 
some of the guys are doing shed stories. And when that was happening, they wanted to do a shed story on some of my deer that I have sheds of. And then I did, um, never realized it before, but um, four of the biggest bucks I have that sheds were found, I actually did kill them within, someone within 60 yards where the sheds were, another one maybe 400 yards. So those deer were living on a property, staying there their whole life, not wintering somewhere else. Uh, big thing for me is years ago, let's back up a little bit. Uh, when guys were starting to get into shed hunting, when we hunted a lot of public land or land with a lot of other guys on, you literally had to be there when that deer was dropping or you were not getting them. There was guys up and down the trails daily. Yeah. So. I, I know guys who will literally walk the same. They'll walk every every day this time of year and, you know, they want to get that. And they find them. Yeah, no, they do. Yeah, they got, they got it down. Um, we got that trail in the wood lot that. I think last year I walked it in a week three different times and found sheds dropping daily. So, And that's that's the tricky part about it. So, you know, you can, you know, you got squirrels, you got other hunters. Um, I mean, you know, really capitalizing and getting them when they when they fall is is kind of a tactic in a sense. I was never really convinced that the location of a shed would help you kill a deer the next year. Um I mean, I think in a certain... Still don't know if it does. Yeah, I mean, I just have the the thought that that antler is in that location based purely on what that deer was doing late season, what he was feeding on, how harsh the winter was. I mean, you know, you can... You have homebody deer that might be held up in the same area all year that don't have to move or... But... I don't know. I, I just never. Some guys get crazy with it, and yeah, well, and so we have three bucks on this property that are probably shooters next year. Haven't found a sheds any of them. They'll be back. They made it through the season. They just didn't. It, it got it eased up. The weather got better. They moved off from this, you know, wintering here or living here, and actually off into yeah. Uh, it's over browse because all the deer that winter here, and now they moved off on the neighbors. And, so, yeah, and they got the shed. So. And that's a that's an example of the opposite. So most people find a shed and they think that's the golden ticket. They think, oh man, I found a shed. I'm going to kill him here next year. Mm-hmm. That I, I don't. I think that's that couldn't be farther from the truth. Um, I well, mean, it could be. It, I mean, well, you can use that, and and that's where this is all situational. But I think of a particular instance a few years back that I found that really big one out here by the house. So yeah. that was a prime example of a of a very early spring coming and these deer abandoning those harsh weather food sources and heading out yeah. into the open egg and it that, it that deer lived what two two miles away as a, as a yeah, crow fly yeah yeah and now you know me finding that shed was awesome but in my mind I knew that that didn't that didn't mean anything I mean but you did put a couple posts in over by that area for, yeah, I, <laughs> just I, for I did stuff. now I do that's where I want to get at next so I think. I don't think it it ma- I don't think it makes a difference on whether you're going to kill that deer exactly. but it, but it does tell you that that's a deer that's a that's a place that that deer is going or move through yeah Yeah so like I think in that sense just to take that just to use that piece of information like okay you know this deer preferred this area this was his travel corridor to uh, these out open fields, like he could have went other, you know, paths. So I think you could narrow it down a little bit. Like maybe if 
you know, I don't know if that makes sense. Or yeah. If I'm, and I'll play the devil's advocate. Any guy that's hunting some public land that finds a monster shed, he's going back, and he's going to hunt that spot. I would do the same thing. Um, so even though it might not result in it, uh, maybe that deer did winter there or lived there most of the year, and guys missed it, and now you got a piece. And some of our guys even scored on some pretty big bucks last year, finding sheds, right, and killed them pretty close, I think. So it can and it can't. Just take it, you know, use your use your brain. Um uh, yeah, I think I think more so. So, you know, so what do you use shed hunting for if you don't, if it's not f- intel for killing that deer? Uh, well, so what I think the most beneficial or piece of information you get is you can actually see what a deer is supporting on its head. You can put a tape to it. You can yes. feel it. You can look at it. You can, and and what you can tell from a shed, like is is crazy. I mean, you can see. I mean, the slightest little bump could be a tie next year. The the you know um, palmation. Well, you know if you're mass if you, if you were way off on yeah, yeah and, the score or whatever. And now you you, you know, got confirmation, man. It was a dandy, you know. Or maybe like last year, man. I'm glad I didn't pull the trigger on that one. Once you yeah. get them in your hands and you measure them, it's like, oops, you know. So well, out here it seems to be more prevalent but there's a couple different species of whitetail right there's there's i think there's two species we got out here maybe or subspecies i don't know how they do that but they got different body types in different right so you know i don't know if many of the listeners experience this but like out here you'll see a very bullish stocky whitetail and it can it can fool you because it 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 creates the appearance that the rack is larger than life mm-hmm. and sometimes you know you'll get a younger two and a half two and a half year old deer that that has awesome genetics that looks like a net boone and crockett went running around he's got the you yeah, know he's, smaller stubbier nosed head short one legs. Uh, one phase away from being a midget basically some of them deer that and they yeah just... but it's hard to you don't really notice it like just seeing them out in the field like until right. you and then you got those I remember that one buck in the woodlot Every time I seen that deer coming, I picked my bow up, and it was, I mean, what did it score, 140? It was like, yeah. it looked like a huge rack and just a tiny little deer under there, so. And sometimes um, they lay out on, you yeah. know, lay out on the head different, but, you know, Thinner, finding that antler lets you know exactly where you were at with that, and, um, you know, helps you train your eye for the future, and, and um, yeah, I don't think I get uh, fooled often, but I don't remember years ago but that little tiny heavy yeah i could not believe that that deer was that that rack was that small it looked like a it was a monster on that damn deer's head you know it's, it was just a tiny little yeah uh, and, and just ex- massive um short you know short ex- time. especially if you're someone who hasn't been hunting for a long time and you know gauging uh the rack size is something that you have trouble with if you can pick up a shed from a deer you've seen on the hoof it really court puts a lot of things into correlation like in, and you can get a yeah. a good estimation off that and not only that you know you can see the potential for next year um you know there's characteristics that indicate deer are old by their racks i mean right i mean very seldomly do you get a deer with giant bases huge brow tines extensive stickers and stuff that's a young deer like, you know right i mean right. like those are those are things that could tip you off to like okay this you know this is an old buck um what would you say is the the main characteristic that comes with age on a whitetail's rack? What I've experienced of deer that we've hunted over the years, years ago, is that um, they get shorter tined, 
more mass, uh, wider spread. They just kind of they get up to their max, and then they start just shrinking down and getting heavier um, the older they get. And in some regions, you can miss it. Uh, you can a deer will peak at four and a half years old. Some of the other areas, guys, tell me seven and a half, eight before they peak. So, um, and I, you know, I think that's got to do with stress and genetics too. Yeah, right? I genetics mean, I, probably too. Yeah, stress, everything. I mean, some some the, people look phenomenal when they're seventy years old. I mean, now that has to do with their lifestyle, but at yeah. the same time, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not seventy yet, but. Uh, uh, but what about the deer here? These deer don't turn into 12s until they're four and a half years old. They don't get that. Uh, uh, see, this is where I, I'm. That's a genetic deal. I'm a I'm a pessimist with all this now. Like I, I, I stop overthinking it because sometimes like there's so many things you find that contradict like, like what you just said. Some so, people are convinced that eights will always be eights. And they'll always be shit bucks. Well, look at Mr. Clean. Yeah, I don't believe that anymore. Yeah. I, I mean... I thought that years ago. And so did I. I mean, it was just like, okay, well, here you got this. If you have a deer that's three, four and a half years old, like, it's it's said that they won't... Oh, they're just going to be an eight. There'll be nothing but an eight. I or think there's more bigger possibility that is baked in a cake. But minerals and food early and sources have a different, you know... A whole yeah, but wouldn't you, think, wouldn't you think that... In that sense, this is purely genetics. Like if the deer had, I'm not talking yeah. an eight with a few non-typicals. I'm saying an eight that all of a sudden doesn't turn into a ten until he's six and a half years old. No. That's, I mean. Well, I have an eight that was 149 uh, and went to a ten frame at 193 in one year. So, but but you can argue that that particular deer surprised the hell out of me. Yeah, but that particular deer was young at a 140. Oh yeah. So. I'm big, talking big, spindly, cage, young. Yeah, now and, yeah. he was probably still developing his potential, but right, you look at you look at a four and a half year old buck that's an eight point, and he's got mass, and he's just a big eight. Yeah, like it's kind of hard. Like you look at it, like well, you know, yeah, you know, it might might get, get a little a, heavier. Yeah, it might get a sticker or two. It might get heavy, but prime example. So like like using Mister Clean as an example, it's a uh, well, he was actually an eleven point then that I ended up shooting, but for two years. He we seen him and he was a, uh, a clean as a whistle eight pointer. Yeah, that's true. Big, tall, you know, and at a probably three and a half year old deer, he was like a one fifty eight. Then the next year, he was like we we found his sheds. Mm -hmm. That's one. That's one of the only bucks that I've killed that I have. Shallow uh, sheds. Though. Yeah, a couple. So we found his sheds, and he was about one sixty three, one sixty four. That next year, as an eight still. Right. And then all of a sudden, bam! He's a ten with a big drop. Like, yeah. where the hell did that come from? Well, it's here, like I said, the genetics here—they seem to—I don't know—they seem to put something on as they get uh, in that four and a half range. So, um, who knows what it is? But uh, so back to shed hunting per se. I like to shed hunt for the exercise during the year. I like anytime you can get more intel and learn the lay of a land and terrain is huge. So even a property we've owned for 15 years, every year I go shed hunting out here, poking around every looking nook and cranny, I find new little spots and things that I didn't know about this property, which is that is the key thing. Uh, if you want like camaraderie with your other hunting partners, we're all loners. We hunt alone when we're out. Now it's a time you can hook up with the guys, go out and shoot the shit and uh, enjoy a little of that sport where you don't as much when it's, during the season, are you a little more serious? Well, yeah, you know, um, it's kind of like a, it can be like a group thing, you know, you kind of team up, um, cover cover more ground, uh, 
cover ground strategically. But even family thing too, man. Like yeah, now, with now the kids, they now, love it. The kids love it. It's like a you know, yeah. like an Easter egg hunt. Uh, but so, I mean, scouting definitely. So it gets you out there. It gets you walking more on the piece that you're hunting or that you've spent time on, and you're not worried about screwing that piece up. You're not worried about bumping deer. You're just, you know, you're looking. Um, but like you said, getting. You It'd know, be an interesting to do if everybody that found a nice shed. Would pin it? Uh, no, pin it. Let's say you set, just set four cameras around that area for the whole year and see if that thing came back or was, was in that little nook or cranny. I mean, most guys will be hunting that spot anyhow, but um, I do that with those uh, with those rubs. Sometimes they're just, these deer come back time and time again to that spot. Is that the same with a rack? I don't know. So, so, so I've heard this before, um, and what's your take on this? People, there are certain people who will claim that a deer will shed at the same time. Within two days, yeah. Every year. Yeah, I heard that. Do you take any... I heard it from somebody in captivity, so I don't know if that's different. So it's a controlled deal. Yeah. The problem with uh, that would be uh, injury. Dude, there's so many variables. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, so you got um, but, more stress earlier winter. It's a. It's. So, I don't think it's a, within a day. Isn't antler growth though, 100% testosterone production? Antler growth? No, when, when they go into hard antler, that's testosterone. The growth period is when they're in velvet. Um, so, but, but doesn't, well, I get, okay, so that, so when, yeah, when they're, when their velvet antlers go in hard horn, that's testosterone that's doing yeah. that. So I thought this, this peter down in testosterone was making them wither away and fall off. Yes, that is would. It, but here's what happens. Uh, a late doe in an area competition See, from other bucks it's just like the guys at the gym you know boxing around the testosterone level staying up so that's what i'm getting kinda at artificially yeah so so if it's because i i've always believed that the antler growth is a hundred percent around testosterone so you know if you look at it in a basic stance right these whitetail grow racks to compete to breed like that's that's the general right that's the base so right. and the testosterone is what what like makes this antler growth i mean excess minerals and and, and um nutrition in the body whatever but i think it's uh i know what you're saying which way you're going with it but the testosterone level only cause them going in hard antler after they've grown actually they're probably if you want a deer to really get a lot of keep them off testosterone give them estrogen you probably grow a rack longer and harder once they go into hard antler the testosterone levels up, and that stays up through hard antler, and I think that and the lowering of the testosterone is what falls. That's what I, I, I that, believe. I don't that's know what that's. I'm getting at. So, like, what I'm correlating is, and I get what you're saying about the growth, and that that may be 100 percent right. The gro- testosterone isn't fostering the growth, right? Because we know those are excess minerals that are making that rack. You know why they're? I mean, but at the basis, they are growing these. They do have these things to procreate. Um, but look so, at a buck with, that doesn't go in hard antler with no nuts. That's what I'm getting. No at. testosterone. So if you get, if you get a deer, so we we bypass the growth, and now all these deer are going through the season um, in hard antler, and you know their testosterone's high. The winters come, the breeding phase has gone by, all the does are done, like and, and it's just like this, like this slowly stair step of the testosterone going down. I, I you know that's what I was 
thinking is like, okay, that that's leaving, and now these antlers just fall. Yeah, that's so, a theory. I don't know that for a fact, but it makes it would make sense. Now and now going into what you said, so that's one thing that I that I got. Now you got stress. Stress is one. Huge. I mean, a deer can be perfectly healthy, but stressed out and drop instantly. Well, you know, because you've seen deer that got injured, and all of a sudden they just drop in a week because they got and took a bullet to the. Well, know, and shoulder or something. and the injury causes excess stress and, and, you know, to another level, but even just stress without injury, I think can cause them to drop if they're constantly getting ran by coyotes, you know, like, uh, or, or just getting badgered or they're running a lot or just, yeah, that I don't know, but it's good. I mean, it's well, that's theory. stress. Yeah. I mean, so, but what I'm getting at, so you got stress, injury is huge, obviously, uh, testosterone production, weather. So let's say the the weather is super harsh, putting more stress on an animal. They're more prone. So to then, drop if we earlier. think about that, let's go back to that uh, dropping within two days. That's what I'm getting in at. the wild. Then it's there's, not. There's absolutely no no way. I was. That's what I was trying to do. Is debunk in captivity, that. yeah, because yeah. it's a controlled and, environment. And I, you know, and I've never I've known some people that that um, worked at places like that, and I, I never picked their brain about that. But I I just recently heard that one. And I wanted to talk about that because I thought that was just, yeah. I thought that was absurd. Because I heard it from a guy who had a, a deer farm. Yeah. Well, yeah. and there's just, there's way too many variables in there to, I mean, I still, yeah, I guess. Even in captivity, well, if, it'd be Yeah, in captivity, if everything's controlled and, you know, your your life cycle is what it is, I, I could see that probably that within a couple of days every year, that's about the time they would drop. I don't know. It's just, it it's kind of weird to think you could dial it in within, you know. Four well, days early, you bump the damn thing, or you bump another buck's rack, or whatever. But um. and that's so. And then another thing, you know, another popular thing out there is people say that that the, you know, a deer will shed in the same spot, which I think we we kind of talked about this before. Oh, let's see. I mean, I it's so uh, it's so hard for me to put any yeah any, a big feeder full of corn probably will well, drop in the same yeah. spot every year. <laughs> yeah, that's you know unless you got that. But what I've come to realize too over the last couple of years is that distance is i used to have i used to have this this theory on distance and and this correlates to shed hunting it correlates to hunting it correlates to a deer pattern people like they look at the distance of a mile or two miles or three miles or four mile and they look at that as a long ways and i've come to realize that is not a long way at all so for a deer to drop an antler right here where we sit and then to walk six miles and drop that other antler is completely in in the ballpark like th- that's not that's not crazy at all yeah. and it, and it would probably only take them i mean it, it's it's just six so miles nothing but if they um if they move around but i've had deer drop an antler and two weeks later drop the other side so how many miles does that thing put on well, before it got to the and it came back to the same spot and dropped it so you don't know when them yeah. You know, then you get doubles. Uh, here's some things I did notice. Big bucks? Um, antlers at the same time? I've seen antlers. I've, I've got antlers at the same time. i got a couple of pretty big ones at the same time. But when they're starting, you'll see fresh rubs starting to develop. Um, and those fresh rubs are those antlers starting to bother. And we're going to do a whole thing on rubs. I'm going to tell you about you know rubs from early all the way on to like we're talking about now. They start messing around and the... The two halves that I found that I had big one I shot in Wisconsin that year, um, both close to each other, but you can see in the cattails in the marsh, 
two big circles. There was one huge circle all just torn up. You can see that thing was literally trying to knock them antlers off. And I'm talking, you know, as big as a couple of cars together ripped up. There was one antler laying there. And then down the trail a little bit, within maybe 25 yards, a whole other section, same thing, all ripped in a big circle, busted up branches. He knocked the other one off, and that was laying in that middle. So See, that I, deer, yeah, that deer was that was bothering him to have the antlers on. See, I, I I knew I always I always put some stock into that, but I always thought it was when they dropped one and the other side was still hanging on, and they had like this weird off balance like feeling to where they were like, all right, I got to yeah. get this other. That could be, but this I mean, one literally yeah, you could this, see it was just bothering him and yeah. um, I wonder him if... off. Another guy, it was a big shedder, told me um, when they're bugging him too, some deer will, um, I found quite a few double sets right next to each other. They'll jump a crick and they'll literally take their head and just slam it against the ground and try and knock them off and, and then they both come off at the same time. Uh, I've seen video where they've just swing their head and one goes one way, one goes the other. Um, found... You've ever found a shed in a branch or in the bushes in a tree or in, up off the ground? That had to have been rifled in midair probably and just end up hanging up in there. Um, talked to a few guys that have found that. Um, but even, you know, I don't take any stock in it. But, man, you know, it's exciting to find just a giant freaking half of a rack. Um, and whoever you are, that's going to have to just trip your trigger, I'd imagine. Yeah. That- Whether you got a chance at it or not. No, How many I, guys do we know that shed hunt? They literally go on vacations up to Canada, not anticipating even ever hunting that deer, just yeah. to find shed, and collect sheds. Shed hunting has become super popular. I mean, it, there's everybody and their and their mom shed hunts nowadays. It seems like, and it's become, um, you know, I know for a while, uh, you know, some guys just shed hunt and sell them. And, do you remember what I did in Milwaukee years ago? I'd go out and check all these. It's just, parkways and water system everybody would run in those just looking for sheds just for the hell of it and i'd find one and i'd uh just hanging on the fence for a guy who probably was hunting that buck would love to find it it was it's a buck i ain't hunting i'd probably never see it before but maybe the guy that was on that adjacent property it meant something to him you know yeah i used uh, to do that for you yeah i appreciate that i would keep those all those little four corns <laughs> just really uh <laughs> really lit me up <laughs> uh yeah uh, the um man you know and I will say when when I got Jed into it, my chocolate lab, it was pretty cool for a while. He's getting a little old now, and, and I don't put in the work with him I used to. But so I said, him when he was freshly trained, he would just you couldn't. And let's put it this way: even now, if he wants to go out and he's not all about business and looking for sheds, he might see a shed and not even go by because he's you know wiped out or now you're just playing around and he's he's more into hanging out with the guys than he is shed hunting. If that freaking dog wants to find a shed, yeah. you ain't hiding a shed on a dog. Yeah. Visually it's... sent. He picked up a half a rack in high CRP grass and literally went back in for 15 minutes. Mess. I don't know what the hell he was doing. Brought the half in there, and he brought back the pedestal, that one buck that was completely sheared off the pedestal. Oh, yeah. The match set. And I was, he, was, he went to, you know... um sit up there like he had a shed and then he, i could hear it crunching around his mouth grabbed it and it was literally a freaking so i mean they're gonna find yeah. it if they want but yeah. a lot of dogs don't want to find it yeah so. you gotta get you yeah they gotta want to work that's yeah. for sure and even sometimes now he's he's just he doesn't get out much so like when he's out he just wants to run around and, right. and do things but that's where these Same guys 
Yeah, these guys who who run or who train dogs or anything like that, like they, you got to put in time with them. Um, but it can be cool. And if There's you be about all business, how many times have you seen a shed? And I've seen sheds. I don't even go over and pick up. <laughs> I mean, why? Yeah, you I know, mean, it's. Um, Unless they're somewhere going to get in your tires or... Well, you know, too, when you... We were out walking two days ago, and I um, I was... I think Brad was like, oh, look... Or there was the one that I found during the season. I just left there. Like, you know, it doesn't... But, you know, we're looking for those, you know, when you see that... Yeah, we know what we're looking for. It looks like a set of rib cages laying down there in the grass. I thought we were having a smallest shed contest this year. So I got four of the smallest sheds that you would ever imagine could be found, and it's pretty tough to find little stuff like that. So yeah, some um, those are those are tough. I mean, I know. So well, well here's were, a good example. Um, we found half of one deer that was on a north side. I told you about it was, you know, close to 170. Um, it was a wider rack than tall, and kind of a little different to judge on the hoof. And I put it at high 160s. We got one half, the weak half, scored it up, and I was right on the money. So if we do find the other half of that, we'll have uh, just the way that rack laid. A normal one would be about a 20-inch on that, but you put that thing on by the deer heads, and that thing just laid out an extra. That was probably a 22-inch wide 10 frame. So you grab that air, and you grab that size, and I was pretty pretty close to the, to the measurement, which is good. So now I know I'm still not losing it you know so well you know that deer will be you know a tank next year if, if he, he puts it. 10 on i'd be happy because I, I wouldn't expect more than that without him because he's an older buck um and if you want to talk about antlers in my opinion the bucks you want to find and they're far and few are huge framed racks that are like is almost like a pretzel that you'd even you could you even what like the ones you just I think you just found a set of them. You wonder how they even made it through the season without getting snapped off. Yeah. Those deer have a frame, and they lay all that mass and increase on on a bigger number. These small, heavy that, you know, you think, man, well, I can't wait to see that one this year on our property. They're heavy. They're low-tined. They're beautiful tens. They don't ever get more than 10 inches a year because they're they can't, they got nowhere to go. The tines don't get longer. They're just trying to get a little heavier and they're already heavy. So um, I don't care to find those ones. I like them them younger, two and a half, three and a half, big framed uh, spindly oh, racks. Yeah, over the course. For co- potential. Yeah, over the course of, shit, I don't know, be it 20 years now or whatever, but just like shed hunting pretty hard and watching what deer do, that's that's what you want. You want upper upper 40s like those those fifth those 150 ish super pensely big cage deer blow up into something special you can almost tell you can you can tell what deer have it and what don't some of the deer that we have found that we know it was the deer off of that to get 50 60 70 inch gains in a year you'd call somebody a liar if they told you that and they do it so um, that kid that shot that state record bull kill here in uh, Iowa. Uh, 256 or whatever. It was two 270 something when he found the, the year before, both halves, 197. I mean, look at the gain in one year of that. So that right there, that's, that's amazing. That's, there's a point. I, I believe that there's a point in every deer's life that, that they're now this, this depends on, I think their health and how they're doing and their stress and all that. But like 
when they get to a certain age, like it, it's like that maturing. Um, I don't know what you'd call it, but there's. Yeah, I don't know where you're going with that, but um, that deer had a frame with tons of stickers that could, you know, so now you've got 20-some non-typical points that all can gain. That's where you get them inches. You get, like I said, the big clean 10. There's, you know, you got the the short tine, they're heavy. They really don't have anywhere to go. Um, So that's a genetic thing, too, I think. But but that's where I think, yeah, so genetics play a big role. I think age, health, all that, but there is a... Um, you know, just cause you got a heavy deer doesn't mean it can't blow up into a giant. I mean, cause that to be 190, that thing had to be a, a mega right off the bat, you know? And now he went to 270 or whatever, which. Yeah. It already is, had a big it, frame and long tines and. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was already just a, and you know, you look at that some, what was that deer? Six and a half or something or no, no it was think, young, wasn't it? I think it was a four and a half year old deer. Yeah. It, I truly believe, you know, there's a lot of age stuff out there. I had a deer aged. I didn't have them all aged. I maybe got one or two deer that are five and a half. All my biggest deer are four and a half years old. Which is see this that and that's a point. Now there's there's different areas of the country that yeah that you know this and you know if they went longer than four and a half they'd have got bigger. Yeah, there's yeah. just no way they would have made it. Well, the thing is, know. I think there's so much hang up on the 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 age of deer and that I think. I think 90% of people are thinking they're hunting six, five, six year old deer yeah. and they're not, they just, they're just, they just don't know. You got to have history with it to know that. Well, yeah. And, and there's, I mean, and I know guys that have history with deer and have the antlers every year and, um, then they, you got an idea. Um, I just don't think like, especially in farm country and you know, and, and it happens in, in the mountains too and anywhere you go, but. When a deer has what it needs to grow, it and it has genetics, it doesn't take seven years to get a giant deer. No, it it like people think that a deer has to be five and a half years old to be a giant, and that's the farthest no, from the truth. A lot of guys, I think, um, mindset is if they know their area enough, and they know that their deer are peaking out at six, seven, they're trying to give these deer the f- optimal potential. Some of the areas I hunted, uh, if you got a good rack, Dude, deer you're trying to make it to six. No, everybody yeah, and their brother is out uh, to kill you. Well, and I never was an age guy, man. I'm a, I'm a, I'm looking at that rack. I want it. I don't. If it's a two and a half year old and it's one ninety, is getting it. That's just, just the way I've always been. Um, I take my hats off the guy to let it. Everything. How many deer have we let go to get bigger next year? The the mortality rate of these whitetail is. It's just unbelievable. It just it's very seldom they they make it, um, and if they do, great. But if it's a shooter for you now, man, yeah, take it. A, you know, there's a lot of things that they have to overcome to make it to six and a half years old. Yeah, and uh-huh. we could look at that nine and a half year old bugger that I shot. That big, massive, just short time. Yeah, it happens. Piece of junk. You know, you know I wouldn't. Relative why I shot that deer, um, that deer lived on this farm for a long time, but. Nobody wanted to shoot it. That's well, why, you know. Yeah. How many times did it come by you, you know? Or well, look at the bull. I mean, it, you know. Yeah, that just... was a weird genetic on that thing. Um, and he's his offspring is a year ago was running around. So that was a genetic deal there. I don't. Yeah, that that eight that old nine year old deer too. That was a that was a very deep genetic seed right there. Like yeah, that, it's that, in here. It's horrible. There's a. 
around here there's a paddle rack eight gene. What an ugly rack. Oh my god. I mean we're talking probably three, four inch tines, but nine <laughs> nine inches of mass. <laughs> yeah. just you know, ugly. Just, I mean just, it's ugly. You know, it almost looks uh, I mean to each their own. I mean, I think I don't. Wouldn't say ugly. Everybody looks at the deer and loves it. Well, it's like a. It looks like a tiny moose. Yeah. Like it's just like one. Well, I don't yeah. know. It's just weird. Well, remember the fridge. Yeah. Oh my. It was God. offspring of that, I think, or um, genetic of it. Yeah. Big brows, mass, no tines whatsoever. Um, yeah. So in, in, in his prime, he probably had two inch longer tines than he went yeah, down to nothing. So yeah. That deer was never anything. Yeah, yeah. It never was going to be any more than that. Um, but. It's a cool old brute. Oh, here's some things we noticed with shed hunting and killing deer. So all these deer we have here, whenever they got that brow tine with that little split on the end of it, they're usually long tine, yeah. big, beautiful bucks, no matter what they are. If they're eight frame, that genetic, whatever that's doing to give that deer that huge cage is here. Uh, and I want to, you know, I like to see that on them. Yeah, that's, that is in, that is interesting. You can take characteristics and... Those characteristic characteristics usually come with with awesome traits. Now, w w and another thing that we know what sucks or what's kind of unfortunate, but that same genetic trait is always associated with small brow tines. Almost, I mean, like it, it's like it seems like or in this area, the deer that we get that have huge cages don't possess the brow tine gene, and the ones no, that got, ha have the brow tines. And then Usually you got the weak G two short times horrible horrible gene, um, and we got bucks with huge G twos, you know, and then they go down the line, and we have these ones that just have the short G two and the threes get higher, and they go back down, and uh, I do not like those, but they're in here. You almost got to have a bunch of this stuff just lining up right to um, to hit the hit the one on the ballpark, you know. Yeah, and I don't sure. know if it ever can to tell you the truth but um, yeah there's a i mean i but, think we have mule deer genetics out here i I really honestly do from 40 years ago and there used to be mule deer out this way i think that gene that's still in them you, genes you you can see it come through sometimes with those double them forks split, yeah, them yeah damn splits in that and some of the small brow with the split so yeah um, there's, i can see that for sure um, you know what i wonder if they could genetically we should next time we get one we should see if somebody could genetically was check. there once mule deer in iowa here yep Old farmer, uh, and I could see that. They're I think no, nope, I think they got out of a, oh. a pen, but there was in the right in this area. The guy used to yeah, he used to have uh, mule deer here. Um, actually, I think the ones they killed were does, but um, I don't know if they got out of a pen back then or what it was, or if it yeah, you know, it traveled or whatever it is. But so let let's 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 talk about some tactics. Let's okay. talk about some uh, strategy. Shit. I love to get on a bike. And just ride and pick up sheds. <laughs> I can pick up almost all the sheds that I'm walking <laughs> in some of this terrain and cover some ground. Uh, get the kids up standing on the roll bar, looking out it, both ways. And if you uh, got, let's let's start off with this. If you if you have pieces of ground that you can drive, yep. it's kind of dumb to walk them uh, because. Well, well yeah, I mean, enjoy it. But well, I'm, I'm saying. Yeah, if you want to get a walk and get, but if you're looking to just capitalize, and let's say you're going to get a permission or permission on a piece of ground, or it, this is especially true for huge open pieces of ag country. If you can drive oh, yeah. and you can get a couple guys, the bird's eye view is what you want because if that vantage point, you want to see, you know, we're, this is all eyes for us. So, but 
there's so many sheds out in the open that I feel like yeah. people never even find. Me and your mom get them all every year. Yeah. When everybody's done shed hunting, we'll drive this entire open fields, and we find a bunch of and, sheds just laying out in the middle of nowhere. And the awesome thing about this time of year is, is usually, I mean, if it's not too mucky, farmers don't have anything planted. You know, people don't. I, it's not uncommon to, to get permission to go drive out in these waterways, like way out miles in these crop fields. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of bones laying out there. And you know, the farmers. I've let guys. They want. They like to walk the corn. Yeah, that man. I, my eyes. I can't walk the corn. And look for sheds, and they they'll take a dog and a couple of guys, and they do it, and they find good sheds out there. Yeah, and if you can drive, it helps. Um, so, but I mean, if you can't. You know, yeah. there's a lot of people no, out I there walking. That, that's that's you know, eight ten mile walk for a couple of sheds. Forget about it. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's transition here. So, for somebody who doesn't. Okay. So now, so okay. Let's. Uh, that was the driving part of it. Um. I typically stay away from the really and there's sheds there. I know there are, but some of that really rough, steep bank, and I like to get down in a flat. And look at that instead of walking it. And actually, if you think about it, being right on that bank, you're going to miss a lot of sheds. So I'll stay down low for the one bank, and I'll I can cover that whole side from the bottom. Everybody that came out here brought binoculars with them, um, and you can you see a little bit of something. It looks like a shed. You focus in with the binocs and go get them. Uh, and then on the app side of that, remember the set we found that year where uh, I was on the top of the ridge, and these are what sixty foot bluffs yeah and you were down in the shit thick thick stuff and i said there was a deer i thought it was a dead deer in front of you hey there's a dead well, it deer like a rib cage it, it looked like a rib cage yeah. it was a what was 77 typical 10 yeah. laying together crisscross i mean it was uh good buck so you could and you would have ran into that because you were coming going straight through the thick shit but uh so you use it use vantage points to cover and, more ground and this is what i wanted to highlight right off the bat is strategy be strategic about what you're doing and cover, optimize the coverage on this ground. I, I did a video last year, I think, on just a couple random tips for shed hunting. But really have a plan when you go out, right? I mean, so many people just go out and walk aimlessly, and they might be walking the thickest, gnarliest trails, and they're not able to see those distances left and right. And, and unless you're using a mapping software to know where you walked, like— And you, you know how that is. Yeah, you could still be looking that way. Take three steps, and then all of a sudden, yep. you just pass by shit. It just happens, you know. And and that's why. I wonder how many you don't get. A lot, but but if you put yourself in the position, like, like you mentioned right there, like okay, so knowing the situation with those steep banks, you want to give yourself the best vantage point, right? And to cover, yep. to be able to keep your eye on the most ground as possible. Um, yeah, you might miss some things far out that are tucked in a nook and cranny and you can always rewalk that stuff but here's a point for good new guys and i don't know if you experienced this when you first started shedding thing. you look too hard no no i'm accustomed to looking for deer sign and we're all out shed oh, hunting and i'm looking for tracks rubs setups and i'm not looking for sheds once that... you're accustomed to looking for sheds you start finding more sheds because you're you're focused on uh, and somebody told me you don't want to. Okay, uh, cloudy days. You know, I was going to get to weather. Yeah. Okay, if you want to uh, hit the weather one, but weather's a big thing. You, yeah. You can do well, a lot better on a, um, and, certain and, days. So. And this is where, like, you can really look at shed hunting as as very tactical. So, yeah. like, diving into the weather. Well, before we go into weather, I wanted to touch base on, like, you said, 
That was one key point is if you're out there scouting the property really hard, looking for rubs, looking for trail, you're probably going to miss sheds. Now, I, attention, if yeah. you can focus your mind on those sheds and then, then you know, start to – you can still scout. And the biggest thing about that scouting is not necessarily – I don't care about finding a rub. It's like you said, you're getting the geographic laydown yes. of the property. That's then when you find where, sign next year, you, you know, know every tree, yep, every exactly. little crypt. That's the important so, part. Not the, you know. So you're scouting without scouting. So yep. and, and then – so on those same lines, I think a lot of people – they're, they get too crazy. They're looking too hard for sheds, and they're, they almost they start to – like they're looking so hard that I've watched people walk right by them. Like they're just like, you know. So I think you got to – you know, they're looking too, too laser-focused at a trail, too laser-focused at a spot. You got to pick up that – know the shape you're looking for, know the – you know, and, and you got to be scanning. And So here are, here are some nuts some guys are – and there are obviously there's good shed hunters and there's not so good shed hunters, but um, these guys would go shine fields where these deer were coming out to feed and literally watch the bucks out there, and they'd shine every night, shine every night. And as soon as they yep. wait, as soon as they lost them, boom, they're on it and gone. Yep. So they're 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 staying backed off a little bit. Someone on a uh, mobile hunter United uh, put a post out there, and I I suggested just because of the scenario, he said the deer lost one half now should i you know wait and stay out of there and hopefully it runs the other half and i said hell no go get in there now try and find it that deer could carry that other half for yeah a yeah. month someone else will find that that's on a, you. the mice will eat it whatever that's a losing gamble yeah right you want to go for broke when that thing drops try yeah. and find it yeah especially with competition yeah. so and there so, is competition so you got tactics um you know or, or so strategic moves like so we talked about weather so a lot of people don't realize this, but picking your weather or being mindful of the conditions you're going out in can really help you spot these things. So, you know, I mean, I've heard you say this forever, but like you mentioned, the cloudy day. So a lot of people don't realize, like, the sun puts a harsh glare oh, it's horrible. on the, the timber floor. And when you have overcast, and more in particularly overcast, what with terrain or yeah like after a rain or that they just, they just pop they, they almost glow yeah. i mean like you know when you get that layer that that little glossy layer of wetness on a mm -hmm. antler combined with the the overcast and there's no sun glaring they almost have a like a glow to them and most guys will understand that go track a deer in a sunny yeah, it's, down it's, day versus uh, low at first yeah. thing in the morning. You know, it's just easier to see. So also, you know, shed hunting at the end of the day, walking into the sun, probably not yeah, the best. Like we, we did all last we, <laughs> week for like a six mile we, hike. Yeah, we just did that the other day. And I mean, yeah, you're out there looking, but at, the whole time yeah. we're walking, I'm like, man, we should not be covering this ridge right, right we now. We should have drove to the other side and head the yep, other direction. Exactly. So think about things like that. You can use if you got if the sun's setting and you get it to your back. Sometimes that can give you an advantage versus blind. And shades, you. Polaroid. I don't yeah. like them. Do you? Do you? I think they. No, no. I yeah, think that's they're horrible. That's um, another thing. I can never. I'll wear shades, but I always got them on my head when I'm because yeah, for off. some reason they. I don't know if it's like you said if it's the 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 lenses being polarized, but yeah, I don't know what it is. 
I some, lost 150 dollar pair of shreds just or shades just the yeah. day in the woods because they're on my head. But yeah, you. Uh, but we were walking in the sun most of that time, so I had to hold them. You know, use them for a while. But I would definitely, yeah, you know. definitely recommend no shades. Um, so let's see. So and here, here's another thing. Now let's talk about let's talk about some some hot spots and some key areas. So I mean, you know, here one more note before you get off. Could, okay. Remember that poll because I, I know I do this to you all the time because I'll forget it. Um, if you're particularly, I want to just find those ones that I'm after for next year. I don't care to find them. I love having all these guys come out and do the damn work for me. <laughs> they <laughs> just love pounding at them young guys, man. They can cover some ground. And, uh, a couple of our guys this week, uh, um, found that one half of that. So it's found. It's in mission yeah, accomplished. Knowledge you know? gained. Yeah. So well, go ahead. Yeah. So, you know, when you're when you're going out too, I think it's important to. There are areas I think you'll find more sheds than others, and and I would say that I find most of the antlers that I'm picking up in staging areas, um, and those sort of buffer strips between your your food and bedding areas. Now, um, this is where I like like so shed hunting is a is a is a as a tough nut too. So like you want you for one, you want to be strategic on how you cover things and you want to cover everything. But I think it's very important to pick the cherries first because you don't want to let those, right. Those sheds lie and get eaten up or get found by somebody else. And there's areas where they're, you're going to find them first and foremost. And I think, so that was a, that's a perfect example of what happened this week. We went and tried some new ground for somebody to help them find their sheds. And I told uh, a buddy that was with me, I says, this is this is not efficient. This is a needle in a haystack. We are just out covering huge open hardwoods with no deer yeah. wintering in them, yeah, hoping to find a random shed. So let's take this piece, for instance. The rim from field to edge, 50 yards, 25 yards in, will find you more sheds covering that than covering all the rest of this terrain. It's just the way it's been for me over years. It's where they spend most of their time going from feeding to bedding, mm-hmm. and that's where you're going to find them. You're not going to find them on a trail that yep. rips through just, a, you know, uh, 80 acres of woods, one trail, a couple of tracks. Just think. You get lucky with it. I like, to, I like to tell people, think about the time that these deer spend in certain areas. Right. So where are they spending the most of their time? Yes, like you said, if you got one trail jetting up this this little this little like uh you know goat trail bluff heading to i mean you could find sheds there but that deer is walking that trail you know where you want to check first and foremost where these deer are spending the most time yeah. so food sources are yeah huge. you know food sources are huge but even bedding yeah and, and bedding so you know just that just the other day i found a match set in a bed um, you know, they fell off as he was bedding. That happens, mm-hmm. you know, and when they're out in the open, they, they drop them all the time, but South facing slopes, South facing slopes, um, you grassy know, slope, South facing slopes because right. They're spending more time on that slope in yeah, the sun. They're living on that they're, slope. They're browsing there. So the Standing thing, they're just the, spending the winter. The thing about these buffer strips that I think is, is important to key in on. And these can be anywhere, any, any, part of the country any area like there's always going to be this area i think where they break from 
transitioner from from bed to food uh and not only do they um not only do they spend most time i mean you got to think so let's say they're easing out they're not exactly eating yet but they're staging here and they're standing around and they're checking for 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 danger and they're making sure everything's all right and they're this is this is that point of cover before they i guess and and this can be a south facing slope too you know, but but there's just so much these areas where these deer congregate so much is is where you want to cover first and foremost. I think once you hit that, start then exploding outward from there. Right. So grab your food source and then and then um, expand from that, and you can see which little spots will be heavier. Uh, but you're gonna find you're gonna find you're gonna find most of your sheds closer, and then the further out on that hub or wheel you get. It's going to be a little less and less until you can find where they're, you know, that trail, like you said, that they're going from that bedding staging to food. Because they don't, they don't move a lot in these winters. They want to get to where a food source is, find a little cover. And, and uh, it's all about um, um, maintaining and holding some energy and not burning up a ton of it, too. Yeah, and you, you can, there's things, too, like on harsh winters, you can go out there prior. You can actually get knowledge. So a couple of years ago, we had those. I mean, we had probably feet of snow, um, like two or three feet in the timber and for for a month. So just being out there and seeing where these established deer trails were. and where it's the, like a winter yard like up in the north used to be, just where they just. Yeah, and, and where these, but, you know, so you got these, so there's a prime example, there's a very prominent south-facing slope on this farm here. Not too far, but a little farther, but but a good distance away from some of the main, you know, crop, egg, standing stuff that they would they would get to, right? So there was a tr- even though the snow was waist deep, there was a trail that was so beat down that these deer were just walking. There's the easy walk. On, yeah, they were walking on top of the snow. So no, fi- you know, finding that hardened down trail, I think that year, I found like. 40% of the sheds that I found anywhere were right off that hardened trail. Like they were just, that was what they were using the whole time. And right, the whole. had I been, you know, in this, in this hardened trail, it just happened to be dead through a, through the opening of a field and then through just a little sliver of timber. Look at the and, corner of the woodlot. I'd say majority of sheds are found in that little area there because it's just yeah, a spot it, that they travel sp- through to get yeah. to where they're bedding and it's yep. a, just a big corridor. So. so don't overthink it and don't spend a shit ton of time where you know there isn't any deer. Yeah, you got to. Like, you can't. Now, ju- again, they might have. But just putting boots or, on the ground yeah, is, just, is not the way to, to find. There's so many guys every year. Oh, you can't find sheds here. I can't find shit. Well, what are you doing? Are you, and most of these guys are just literally parking and walking into ground and just walking for, for yeah. as long as they can walk. And they're looking for sheds and they're looking hard. But if you're looking. Just open wild yeah. uh, hardwoods with not a lot of. Uh, and concentrations of deer just a few tracks here a few trails there that's that's what we walked and that's we wasted yeah. and i knew we were wasting it i just thought we'd never know yeah. we want we got enough guys here he wants to try and find those sheds we're we're helping out but I, where I, where we found them is exactly where i thought we'd find them yeah. crp border of his standing food plot left and that's where they were you know in that grass and that cover and um the other stuff was a crapshoot so yeah well Shed hunting sucks, yeah. my opinion, but yeah. <laughs> I know y'all like it. Oh my god, shed hunting's a good time. Yeah, it's, it's a good time. It's 
It's fun. There so we're going to have a contest, and that's going to be more about uh, the pitcher than the size of the shed? Yeah, this is this is literally just so that the, the Lone Wolf Custom Gear Shed Contest is we want to get we want to get our followers just sharing. We want to see what you find. You know, if you go out every day and you find post a picture every day, use the hashtag. We want to see a bunch of awesome photos. You know, get creative with the photo. I mean, if it's a giant, and awesome. why don't we all start learning something from this? Maybe they go on and put a little thing in there or something on mobile hunters like I did. So I didn't realize that. So I, let's go back to that four. The biggest deer. I did, I found sheds. I never even. I don't know why I didn't even consider it, but when I look back where the shed was found when I killed the deer, it was pretty damn close. But those are deer that were living in, and I know where, so I was hunting in the core area. Um, and maybe that sheds light on uh, what a lot of people say, that some of these deer have a core area they spend most of their life in. And on a homebody deer where they don't migrate, that shed is a damn good uh, piece of information that I would think if that's what's happening, so... It, it um, can be. Let's yeah. get some feedback from some of these other guys on there. And yeah, there are a lot better shed hunters out there than me, I'll tell you that, because these guys are, um, you should see some. Well, we got a ton of sheds, though. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so we got. We're, we, we are yeah. definitely open to hear your thoughts and um, strategies on shed hunting. With, you know, if we, if we miss something, definitely leave us a comment. Once again, post your shed pictures on Instagram. Tag Lone Wolf Custom Gear. Use the hashtag LWCG Shed Contest 2022 and tag three of your buddies. And one post a day is the limit. And let's see what you guys find. Well, and here's a tip for you guys, too. You might want to consider if you're a lot of our guys hunt multiple different states. There are certain states that have laws on taking deadheads out of the woods. So check with your local DNR. Um, sometimes they let you take them, but you can't resell them. Uh, sometimes you can't take them. you got to get a tag. Make sure you're um, up on the laws before you start um, pulling some of these things off of state ground that maybe you can't. Um, there are some weird weird ones out there on um, deadheads. Um, yeah, you definitely want to be by the book. You know, there's, there's even some parks and state ground that you're technically not supposed to Take even a shed out of it. Yeah, really. take even a shed uh, out of it. So make sure you're not, looking and, at your. And if you're doing that, you can still go shed hunt for those spots, take a couple pictures, leave the shed on the ground, and, and still enjoy it, the, and, the day, you know. And that's the thing, too, you know, that like that, that knowledge gained um, is a big thing. But, but yeah, deadheads. Throw, throw some leaves over it so the next guy don't find that. Yeah. Uh, a yeah. little bit of info. Uh, or mislead them and take a. Yeah. <laughs> take, take one a, out there and throw take, it out. Take a six mile walk and drop it there. Um, but. Cool. Anyway, see you next time. Yep, more later.